Hello and welcome to the third episode of Middle School Sucks, a guide to finding compassion for adolescents. In this episode, I'm going to be talking a little bit more with you all about the positive aspects of distance learning. And I'm also going to be going through an article with you all that discusses how the period of coronavirus might be changing our public perception of middle schoolers and adolescents as a whole. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the third episode. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Check in with yourself with me right now. How, how are you doing? <laughs> Sometimes that simple question of asking yourself how you are can be super helpful. It's something that I notice that I don't do often enough. And sometimes because I don't ask myself how I'm doing, completely neglect self-care in the way that it would actually be helpful because I don't really know what I'm feeling. And when I don't really know what I'm feeling and I don't really address it, then usually the baseline is just like, I'm fine or even I'm a little bit numb, which can be concerning. So uh, check in with yourself. <laughs> Didn't mean to, to start off with, a, with a, a tool, but checking in with yourself is really important, especially during these times. Um, man, I hope that everybody's been having a good week since I uh, last put up the most recent podcast, which was a little bit more on the negative aspects of distance learning. I have been thinking a lot about what I would like to say in this episode and definitely I'm going to be focusing a lot more on the positives of distance learning and what we can do to continue to foster um, the positive aspects of distance learning and to continue to take care of ourselves during this time. So this is going to be a shorter episode, <laughs> not because there's less positives, but just because uh, I think I'm just starting to learn how to make these a little bit more succinct and I'm going to try to do that even better this time than I did last week because I ended up doing like a 10 minute long meditation and I hope that you guys found that useful and uh, if you didn't catch that, uh, the meditation is a grounding meditation and it is in the last episode, so the second episode of this podcast as a whole and it starts around minute 35 and goes until the end. And feel free to cycle back to that whenever you need it. It is one of my favorite meditations. I have a bunch to share with you, but that's one of my all-time favorites. So man, I hope that uh, if you're a middle schooler, I hope that your distance learning program has been going smoothly. Um, ours has honestly evened out a little bit um, just as we're learning how to really manage this. Um, I think we're really like starting to fine tune our system a little bit. And I think that things now have just sort of been at this point where we've been doing the same stuff for around a month and a half now. And we kind of get the drill. And so it's running as smoothly as it possibly can. I think that once we go into the fall, it'll be a little different. And I think not, I think I know that many schools will be in that same position of just uh, yeah, like we know that things are going to have to give because we can't just keep going at, at the, not the bare minimum, but we were, as I said in the last podcast, pretty unprepared for this transition. And now that we have the summer uh, in front of us and um, some more time on our hands to develop better online curriculum, I am really hoping that schools and school districts will be able to give their teachers enough money uh, for professional development over the summer to develop their curriculums, because I think that's super important. Um, I'm sure that 
all the teachers out there are feeling that too, especially those of you who are not so tech savvy. I'm sure that you could benefit from some more curriculum building time. Plus, like, what else do we have to do this summer? I know I um, certainly don't know what I would be doing if I didn't have um, a job over the summer. So, yeah, I hope that um, that's also, you know what, that's something I should talk about in the next episode. So I'm going to make a mental note of that to talk about what some options are for kids, parents, um, etc., for summer activities now that we're not able to travel and, and go out um, a lot. But uh, regardless, so <laughs> man, yeah, like I said, this is going to be focused on the positive aspects of distance learning. And so I'm just going to go ahead and start off with the fact that I've noticed that some kids have really enjoyed and come out of their shells from being behind the screen. And I've noticed that a lot, most, most noticeably, I would say with the sixth grade class, which I think is really interesting. Um, because as I said in my first episode of the podcast, in sixth grade, you tend to be, well, not everybody, but there is a little bit more of a shyness factor that comes into play because you're going into a new school for the first time. You're sort of figuring out how to make new friends because maybe at least um, at my school's case, it's a charter school. And so you have to open enroll to get into it. So then there's some people from many, many different elementary schools, and then some that come from not even this school district that we take in. So for some middle schoolers, um, going to middle school for the first time in sixth grade or in seventh grade, um, or even if you move like I did um, at some point, like I moved between sixth and seventh grade and entering into that new middle school, like that just that whole experience of having to start fresh can be really daunting and for some of our kids in sixth grade i have noticed that 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 shyness and that fear of coming out of your shell and making the new friends and everything can stick with you the whole year and definitely i've even seen it kind of uh trickle into the seventh grade year too like if they haven't yet found a way to come out of their shells then Sometimes in seventh grade, there will still be some seventh graders that'll like hang out in the office because um, they don't know where else to go. They don't feel comfortable in the shared spaces like the cafeteria or the lockers. Like uh, it just becomes a really huge barrier and something really heartening that distance learning has done for some of these shy kids, I think, is um, is really bridge that gap. Because when you're behind a screen, there's so much less pressure for some for some people. Um, because you don't have to show up in person. You don't have to be like completely on your game. Like you can not be wearing pants and nobody would know, right? <laughs> Who's with me? <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, um, yeah, I think because sixth grade students have had less time up until this point uh, to come out of their shells, I think that that's why it's so pronounced um, to me that right now um, being behind a screen for them and being in these shared Google meets with their other classmates and myself and their other classmates and other teachers is just really, really useful for them. And I love seeing that. I love that that's a benefit. Uh, specifically, I have uh, I lead songwriting club. <laughs> at my school. It is the greatest joy that I have. I love that they even let me as a support staff member interact with the kids as much as they do. And songwriting club is one of the huge benefits of my position. 
before distance learning started, I had about five or six eighth graders that would come every single time because last year when I first started working at this school, I took over for dance club and they were the creators of dance club. So those kids rolled over into songwriting club because they're also interested in, in writing songs and in singing. And I would have sometimes two seventh grade girls. Uh, and then sometimes there would always be a rotating group of sixth grade girls that would come in. And I had one boy one time. Oh, and one time there were two seventh grade boys and they wanted us to do a cover of like a Led Zeppelin song. And I said, I'm sorry, guys, but I don't think that the girls are going to be down for this. But I truly hope that they still ended up like forming a little band on their own. Um, but anyway, it was a pretty, it was a really sweet group in person, um, but it was definitely very eighth grade heavy. And there didn't, there was never a huge ability for us to collaborate because I think some of, especially some of the sixth graders were a little bit more timid and just didn't quite, it took me a very long time, but I finally got this one sixth grade girl to join my club because one of her teachers told me she played guitar and I was like, oh my gosh, please get her to join my club. She's so shy. I really want her to join. And then she ended up joining and it was fantastic. Um, and I've actually seen her once um, in club over Google Meet and I've noticed with her for sure that um, the virtual learning has been so helpful for her. I know she's not totally out of her shell but I can see her start to like she's really starting to hone in her style and like develop like the kind of personality that she's growing into and like becoming the person that she's going to be and like I know you can hear the excitement in my voice it makes me so happy and my heart is just so full of love for her. Um, and there's so many other kids that are just like her. Um, what I, the story I was going to say is that my club has now mostly become one seventh grade girl and one sixth grade girl. Um, I, I am too tired to think of pseudonyms, so I'm just going to say it's a seventh grade girl and a sixth grade girl. The sixth grade girl up until this point, um, actually, you know what? They both have a really similar temperament of being very friendly um, but neither of them, I don't, I don't ever see either of them with like a big group of people or anything. Like they have like a few friends and that's lovely. Um, but they're not super like loud, outspoken people and their friends tend to be like in their grade level. And it's definitely a comfort thing. Like they keep their circle very close, but now both of them, one of them used to come to club every single week, the sixth grade girl. The seventh grade girl, I think, showed up maybe once, maybe twice. Um, and uh, it could have been a few more times than that. But even if she did show up more than that, she never said much and just kind of took my prompts for what they were and um, and then would come back. And like, she's so smiley, like they were they're both so smiley and friendly. And I loved having them in person. But now that the club is just us three, we've been working on writing a song together. And <laughs> it's fantastic. It's um. The Journey of the Lollipop is the song we call it the lollipop song and it's really fun just to like before this I will say we never wrote a song together we one time tried to write a song for a thing that we do every year called International Night which is this big gathering uh, lots of food families bring food um, they perform we were gonna perform that was what we were gonna do is we were gonna write this song have the chorus be in English and then have the verses be in other languages and we wrote 
a lot of it, but we never put it to a melody except for the chorus. And that was because my one seventh grade student um, is just really, she is a songwriter and she's really talented. And, um, and she kind of took it upon herself to do the melody for us, which was lovely. Uh, shout out to that student. I love you. Um, I love you all, if any of you are listening. But, you know, anyway, <laughs> the song just never fully came together because not everybody was fully in it. And then it was just too late. Like by the time International Night came around, we just had not had enough time because a half hour during lunch every day, like nobody's focused during lunch. Like we just couldn't do it. We couldn't pull it together. But now, like, we have a bunch of verses for this lollipop song. We have a melody for the chorus. Like, we have the chorus. And it's just been so fun. And just watching this little cross-grade level interaction happen, cross-grade level relationships, um, friendships, you know... That is the stuff I live for. I love that the school that I work for has a community that is so supportive of cross-grade level friendships and really fosters it because it's such a small school. And I'm still trying to think about ways that larger middle schools can do that more. I think a big part of it is the, the social emotional learning programming that we do, which we call BEAST. Um, I think I talked about that in the first episode. It's an acronym, but um, essentially there's five students from every uh, from sixth, seventh and eighth grade that are put into this group with one advisor who's a faculty member. And we talk about topics related to diversity and inclusion. And I think that if more schools, like even larger schools, incorporated that kind of programming, it would definitely help to not only bring together like the grade levels, but also to just foster that really inclusive and caring community. I think that's what makes the school that I work at so special. I'm getting really sentimental. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, just what, I'm, what I mean to be saying is that I really love how distance learning has helped these kids come out of their shell. And I hope that you guys have also seen similar things. Um, I've also noticed at my level as a staff member that it's just so much easier to get work done when there's less distractions. I mean, I'm a secretary, so I'm constantly being pulled in other directions. I mean, I mean, I, like I say, I'm a support staff member, like that's my official title, but I am a glorified secretary, okay? <laughs> I am the woman who wears many hats, and when I'm in the office, I get pulled by parents, by other staff members, like teachers, by the principal, by my coworker, like just constantly all day, I'm doing a million things at once. But now I have nothing else in front of me except for my technology. So I think the biggest thing that throws me off right now and that I'm sure throws off the students as well is just the fact that now I have my computer on in front of me and my phone in my hand and I'm able to stop um, work just to play cooking fever at nine in the morning because my brain's too tired for anything else. But if I was in the office, I wouldn't be doing that. So... I think um, it's just made it a little bit difficult because of those tech distractions. And I'm sure that um, parents could echo that as well for their kids. I know so many kids are struggling with not really getting into a routine as of yet and just having too much tech time and uh, that pulls them away from their schoolwork and it's tough. But in general, it is easier to get work done, I would say, just because none of us have the distraction of other people around us all the time. That might be different for teachers and students right now. That This might just be a, an office thing, but definitely I find it easier to get work done. 
I also think online learning is preferable for some kids because it's easier for some to focus. Now, last week I said that it's more difficult for some kids to focus. And like I just said, yeah, some of them really uh, don't have very set schedules yet. Um, they're still like families are still figuring that piece out. And I think that the more that kids get into a rhythm and a routine, then the easier that online learning is, because I know that most schools at this point have cut back on their curriculum so much. Like we're a charter school, but now we're a pass fail for this semester and there's way less work for kids to do. So I think the routine and the schedule is really nice. Um, I also think that some kids are just more tech savvy than others, and that makes it easier for them to navigate all the Schoology pages and, and all the different things that they have to go to, like the different websites and things that they have to download and upload, and <laughs> just all the things that they have to do. Um, I think in general, kids are tech savvy these days because, um, I mean, now Generation Z, which I am, I'm not a part of, <laughs> and I will, <laughs> I will stand by the fact that I'm a millennial and not a Gen Zer because I did not grow up with the amount of technology that kids um, that are in middle school right now did, because the kids that are in middle school right now have grown up with all the things like Google Drive and Facebook and Snapchat and phones in their hands from a very early age, you know. Not to say that that's a bad thing. I actually think right now that's a huge benefit. Man, Gen Z, you guys got it going on right now. Like you are so set up to like have a really positive experience with online learning. I think the biggest barrier is for our younger middle schoolers, like our sixth graders, and especially thinking about, um, I mean, the new sixth grade class that is going to be coming in next year, that makes me a little bit concerned because we won't have that debriefing of like, okay, here's how you navigate your Schoology page. Like if we have to do our, our tutorials online and they can't even figure out how to access the tutorial. But I will say we do at the office, that's something that I do is send communications all the time. And we try to make it as easy and straightforward as possible. So I think that the more that uh, the front offices of other middle schools can streamline their processes and their, um, their newsletters and such to make it really easily readable for kids and parents, then the better off that our families will be. And my last real benefit is just that, like I said, there's way less work that the kids have to do right now. So most of them have less levels of stress related to school. And thank goodness for that, because that is for real what we should be doing for them as schools. It is our responsibility to lessen the student's stress as much as possible. Imagining going through this at age 12 or 13 or 14 Right now, I mean, I cannot imagine the emotional burden of living through a pandemic right now as you're experiencing adolescence and growing and changing so much. And, you know, I'm sure that it's just a difficult concept to grasp of like, wow, how long are we going to be doing this for? And when will it be safe to hug my friends? And when can I show off this really cool pair of shorts that I bought? I mean, come on. <laughs> like, there's just so many things. Um, even me as like as a 23 year old right now going on 24, I'm like, man, like I'm at my prime and, 
and I'm sure that I would be thinking the exact same thing if I was 13 going on 14 right now. So I'm just so, I'm so sorry for you guys for experiencing your adolescence in the time of a pandemic. I'm just so genuinely sorry, but just know that hopefully this means that there will be less negativity, like maybe less, um, things like bullying that would happen in person, like fighting and stuff like, well, that's negated now, which is <laughs> lovely. And hopefully by the time we get out of this, you'll all have learned so much about yourselves just from being with yourselves a lot, which hopefully I'll be able to help you foster through my meditations and mindfulness tricks and stuff. But, um, you know, just think of that benefit of, of learning so much about yourself so that by the time that you'll be able to see your friends again or like see your crush again or, you know, see your bully face to face again, you'll be able to, to see those people and be okay with whatever comes up or at least be prepared to handle whatever comes up. And I hope to arm you with those tools as much as I can to handle um, all of that, you know, distance learning and beyond. So now... I would like to talk with you guys about these two articles that I found on the New York Times that my dad actually sent me. So shout out to my dad. And they're both fantastic reads. I'm going to give you the names and authors of both of them. And I'm also going to reach out to both of these authors because I think they're fabulous and brilliant minds. The first one I'm going to talk about, and I hope that you'll all be very interested in this, is an article called Distance Learning is Better, and it was written by a 13-year-old student named Veronique Mintz, and I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Um, she is a student who is in New York City, and in her article she argues that distance learning has helped to close the opportunity gap that many students experience. Now, you might be asking yourself, what is an opportunity gap? It's a pretty broad definition. Um, the direct definition that I got from the glossary of education reform is that opportunity gap describes the way in which factors including race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, English proficiency, community wealth, and much more contribute to or perpetuate lower educational aspirations, achievement, and attainment for certain groups of students. But furthermore, and this is my words, <laughs> When students don't understand the expectations of an academic environment, that can lead to a disruptive and unproductive and sometimes unsafe learning environment for all of the other students who are in the classroom, which then perpetuates the opportunity gap for all of the students, not just the disruptive student. So that is what Veronique describes in her article. Please read the full article because I'm going to talk to you about it, but it, it's just brilliant. She's amazing. Um, she essentially paints a picture of a very chaotic eighth grade classroom in New York City. And I'm going to read you a little bit of her direct words because I just think it's brilliant. The way that she opens the article is by saying, talking out of turn, destroying classroom materials, disrespecting teachers, blurting out answers during tests, students pushing, kicking, hitting one another, and even rolling on the ground. This is what happens in my school every single day. You may think I'm joking, but I swear I'm not. And if that isn't powerful to you, man, I mean, <laughs> man, this also really like pushed me outside of the bubble that I live within because as you all should know, Boulder is a, a bubble. It is largely white. It is largely privileged, like economically, in every way, <laughs> in, in every way. But 
We do still have kiddos who are way less privileged than the majority that live here in Boulder. And um, at least at Summit, our job really is to help out those kiddos as much as we can and like support the families. And it's just important to, to give everybody fair treatment and equitable treatment. But regardless, just reading Veronique's description of her classroom in New York City was a wild experience for me because my only experience of being within a middle school setting is at a charter school where everybody chooses to be there. The school is a free charter school. <laughs> and so it allows us to essentially give the same amount of resources as much as we can to all of our students fairly. So yeah, Veronique's description of a middle school in the city is definitely accurate for a middle school in the city. And girl, I am so sorry. Um, man, that is something, one of my aspirations is absolutely to work in more of an underprivileged areas as soon as um, I get my master's degree. So it was just wild to to read that but anyway regardless veronique in her article does point out that sometimes the rolling on the ground students being disrespectful is due to a lack of classroom management by the teachers and essentially she argues that teachers need to set firm boundaries with their students um while also maintaining uh respect or maintaining control and gaining respect. Because with middle schoolers, you really do have to gain their respect. Um, you know, the way that I do this is pretty much just by remembering what it was like to be in middle school and uh, being myself. Like really those two things are the only two things that you need to know to handle adolescence. So um, take that note down. <laughs> any of you who are having trouble like really that's the only the only trick to me um being good with kids is uh, being good with middle schoolers is because um i'm just myself and like treat them as i would treat like my friend except um i don't swear <laughs> and i don't curse but like i'll use their slang and stuff like if it feels authentic like i'll be like oh yeah yeet like whatever <laughs> yeet or whatever um because it's just funny like that i find them so funny and intriguing uh the more curiosity that you can have and the less disdain i think the easier it'll be for you to handle them anyway <laughs> Um, it can be really tough, though, for teachers to maintain control and gain respect at the same time, like specifically with middle school students, because if you're too authoritarian, then they act out or disrespect you to retaliate. Uh, or you're suddenly running a militia instead of a seventh grade classroom and nobody wants that. But then if you're too laid back, the students walk all over you and disrespect you because you haven't given them enough boundaries. So it's just a really fine balance with middle schoolers and you as a teacher, this is for teachers, you need to learn your own style of maintaining boundaries and garnering respect by relating to your students and giving them some freedom when they've earned it. And man, like I've never been a teacher thinking about handling a classroom of 30 rowdy eighth grade students in the middle of New York City definitely makes me anxious. So that's why Veronique suggests that after distance learning is over, there needs to be adequate professional training for these teachers to learn how to control their classrooms. And she actually suggests that other teachers who have better classroom management skills and techniques should be paid to be the trainers of the middle school teachers. That is a brilliant idea. That is a brilliant idea. I'm sorry for yelling, but that, yes, like, why have we not done that, you know? Ugh. 
this is why we need to listen to our middle schoolers too. Like, this is why I'm so passionate about this article because she is just so brilliant in the ideas that she, they're simple ideas, but like she really pinpoints the issue and pinpoints a clear, clear solution to it. But regardless, she also, Veronique, states that distance learning has been really amazing for her because she doesn't have these distracting kids around her all the time. And with the absence of that, it's closed the opportunity gap for many um, New York City and likely other city living students. Um, and I think it's not just city students either. I think that um, provided that every student is given equal access to technology right now, then all students really have equal opportunity right now for a good education, as long as the schools are putting together good distance learning programs, which um, I'll give you some parents and teachers, I'll give you some advice in a minute regarding that. Um, actually, I'll give it to you in a few minutes after I talk about the other article, but first we have to finish Veronique's. So, um, Veronique says that she has a quiet space now to learn in her own home, and if she doesn't understand part of a lesson, she's able to rewind the audio or video and start over, or just start at the spot that she didn't understand, and now she says she ends each day with less holes in her knowledge and near-complete understanding of each lesson. So working at your own pace is definitely a positive aspect of distance learning. It's easier to focus also, and you have more control over your studies. So kids are getting more independent, gaining independence, yay, and, and just being responsible, like taking responsibility for their own education. This could either, if you're a student right now, like this period of time, can really either make or break your education, especially if you're a middle school student, because right now is when you're picking up study habits. And maybe that's another topic that I should be addressing in um, a podcast sooner than I was thinking. Um, I'm, a I'm an English tutor, so I, I will definitely um, give you guys some good study habits so that you can fill in your learning gaps during distance learning. So distance learning can be good for students who are experiencing similar opportunity gaps in regards to disruptive students. Also, uh, something that is the end of that article discussion, by the way. Thank you so much. Um, let me repeat her name. Veronique Mintz. I really appreciate you. I hope that we can talk together. You're an amazing human. Also, I just want to mention that in Philadelphia, which is where near where I'm from, Comcast invested a bunch of money and resources into setting up Wi-Fi school buses. So like putting Wi-Fi routers in school buses that aren't being used right now, obviously, and parking them all over the city in neighborhoods where students might not have equal access to economic opportunity like this and might not have had Wi-Fi to begin with. And they also set up a bunch of these students um, who are maybe less well off in terms of um, socioeconomic privilege. And they set up a bunch of these students with their own laptops, which is amazing. So I would say that the virus is bringing out the good in lots of people and even some big companies. And I just love seeing the opportunity gap being figured out and closed in some areas. And I just hope that that continues beyond distance learning. I think this is a lesson that we need to continue to remind ourselves of and remember well after distance learning is over. So, man, I'm realizing that this podcast is going to be just as long as the others, but I'm sorry. I just can't shut up about middle school, guys. I really love it. Um, despite the fact that this is called Middle School Sucks, but you know what? 
this next article I'm going to talk about <laughs> um, perfectly describes why this podcast is called Middle School Sucks, A Guide to Finding Compassion for Adolescents. Because in this article, uh, yeah, you know, it's the realness of how adolescence does really suck and it, it's challenging, but also this is a, a perfect time for us to be finding more compassion for that part of ourselves and our lives. And then that compassion will spread to our middle schoolers. So this article is called The War Between Middle Schoolers and Their Parents Ends Now. And it's by an author called Judith Warner, who has written uh, another book called, and, or a book called, And Then They Stopped Talking to Me, Making Sense of Middle School. I need to read that. Um, I would love to have her on this podcast. That'd be amazing. I'm also going to write to her because I love this article. I highly suggest that you read it. It's also on the New York Times. It's a fantastic article. So I'm going to read you a direct quote um, from the beginning of the article. And she writes, The coronavirus quarantine is the next chapter in the ongoing saga of early adolescent and early middle age misery that has played out over and over again ever since middle schoolers or junior high schoolers, as they have also been called, came into being. Essentially, in this article, <laughs> uh, Warner is talking a lot about how we are we are given this opportunity right now to reframe our discussion and our image as a whole of adolescence. <clears throat> she argues that drama and bullying don't need to be a staple of middle school life and that actually this is an invention we created because of our own discomfort with adolescence. Um, not to say that, you know, adolescence itself doesn't bring on drama and bullying because I totally believe that it does. But also, I think the fact that it's at the forefront of our minds is exactly what Warner is talking about. It's like it's at the forefront of our minds because we've made it, we've invented it to be that way. And that's why I find this article so fascinating. So essentially, um, the first important thing to note is that being reminded of our own adolescence, which many of us, including myself, see as the most uncomfortable and painful time in our lives, makes us react in anger and upset at adolescents themselves. I mean, it's tough. Like, you're going through puberty, you're going through lots of changes, you're forming the image of who you want to be, and it's a really difficult time because you don't know who you want to be, and then you bully or get bullied or both, and it just, it's, it's a wild time. It can be a really wild experience. It's because we look at that period of our lives with so much disdain and hurt and pain and anger, that and then we never heal that part of ourselves that we then pass that down to all of the other middle schoolers that continue to exist because that is a point in everybody's lives man it's just painful because i think that the real key is that we all need to be healing that part of our lives like whatever trauma that you have attached to your middle school self like you need to give that that middle school self some love. That's the only way that I am able to work with middle schoolers now. Like, seriously, I did not love myself in middle school. I did not have a good experience, but I'm able to work with middle schoolers now because I ended up eventually finding compassion for that part of myself. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I, you know, I'm hoping to also utilize this podcast to help you guys find compassion for your middle school selves too. And I just hope that 
by me talking about some topics, you know, unrelated to distance learning, eventually you'll be able to find that compassion for yourself. And so then you'll be able to find compassion for your middle schoolers. Or if you are a middle schooler, I hope it helps you. Anyway, the most interesting thing I found in this article was that we as an American culture, spread images of, um, and I quote, adolescents as budding sex addicts. I just think that's so funny. <laughs> um, we spread that image in popular media beginning at least in the 1960s, if not earlier. And uh, Warner also states that women's magazines would have like mother's complaints and a lot of them would be about their daughters as early as the 1920s. So basically we've demonized middle schoolers for a very long time so that we can continue to demonize that own part of our lives. So again, that's why I think it's important to make peace with our middle school selves so that we can then give that sense of peace to our middle schoolers. The first middle schools, like junior, they were called junior high schools, but now it's middle school, began in the 1910s and it was a way of separating this age group of roughly like 11 to 14 from the younger kids so that they don't have a quote unquote poor influence or whatever. <laughs> I don't, th I'm also going to state my own personal opinion is that no kid is a bad kid. I don't think that anybody should ever think that any kid is a purely bad kid because that kid's just a kid and has so much room to grow and learn. I feel like I'm yelling again. I'm sorry. I just get so passionate about that. I hate when, especially when it's like from other staff members say that like this kid did this. He's such a bad kid or like, man, that kid's terrible. Like he did this. I'm like, oh my God, that kid's a kid and he made a decision. Like just chill out for a second. <laughs> So if you're a kid who, who's been called a bad kid, you're not. Don't try not to take that label on. It sucks to hear that from like an adult. But um, man, I think you're a good kid. There's always room to grow. Listen, there's always room to grow. Anyway, uh, middle schools were also uh, created, though, to protect this age group from the high schoolers influence, too. So it was sort of as a way of like shielding them from creating evil in the elementary schools and becoming more evil from the high schoolers like quote unquote evil again with the oh god <laughs> but adults have always kind of been obsessed over the control of the middle school age group so like shielding them from the drugs and the sex etc and then when they do the kids engage in these things or talk about these things or use slang that the adults don't understand the adults become authoritarians and like lash out at the kids just for being kids. Overall, I think the story of junior high schoolers and middle schoolers in America um, offers up, <laughs> this, is some, this is a direct quote from, from the article, it offers up a perfect illustration of what social scientists call a self-fulfilling prophecy. Adults regarded the youngest teens and tweens with distrust and distaste and the kids gave them their worst which is what we see time and again in popular media and in real life. And Warner argues that the coronavirus period gives us a much needed reset button for our relationship with middle schoolers because parents are finding that their middle schoolers are indeed human and they're opting to take up new hobbies with the extra free time they have, like knitting, hiking, reading, even rediscovering long lost friends from their earlier childhood. They're human. Oh my gosh, can you believe it? This like this little human being is, is a human. <laughs> and it's right in front of parents' faces now, which is helping to bridge the gap between adults and adolescents. 
So parents are just now seeing how bright and brilliant and beautiful their own children are. And I think that that's amazing. Warner also argues that schools need to work with families to bridge this gap by making school less high stakes, like having schools be pass-fail instead of grades, making counseling more available. I argue for hiring more counseling staff in general. We just need that. Um, and also Warner su uh, suggests that schools themselves suggest new rules, which I argue would be put into school newsletters, like suggesting a daily schedule for families just to help them out, like help create some sense of order. I know there's many families right now struggling with how to how to create a good daily routine for their children. And this is a really good thing to do. And the schools, we have the knowledge, we have the tools, we should be putting that stuff in our newsletters. And it's something that I'm definitely suggesting to my admin team now that I've read this article, because I can't believe, again, that I didn't think of this before. Werner, you're beautiful and amazing. And in all, parents are learning, essentially, that they just can't control what their middle schoolers are doing, but they can get to know their middle schoolers during this time and learn how to best support them. So again, go Judith Warner. Everybody should read this article. Again, it's called The War Between Middle Schoolers and Their Parents Ends Now. It's by Judith Warner. It is on the New York Times website. And I'm going to leave you all with a little piece of advice. Um, you know, I'm trying to figure out if I want to read my whole advice list. I think I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> My general advice, try your best to go with the flow. We're all adjusting, we're all working through this together. Advice for teachers, don't panic. Ask for professional development money over the summer to develop new curriculum if your curriculum isn't easily online transferable. And create cyber meetups with your students that aren't required or content-based. So take the time to check in with your kids. Like, you know if you're missing them, they're missing you, even if they don't outwardly express it. And you know that middle schoolers don't tend to outwardly express that because they don't have the same language that we do for talking about how they feel yet. So we can help them out by setting up these low-stakes, come-as-you-want Google Meets or um, Zoom Rooms or Hangouts or whatever your school is doing. Advice for parents. If your student's school is not putting together a distance learning program that is up to snuff for you and your student, please consider using a free public supplementary resource. My favorite is Khan Academy. It is a fantastic platform that has English and math lessons, and I think they're adding more subjects. I'm currently relearning math to take the GREs through this website, and it's amazing. Um, there's helpful lessons and videos with examples to accompany and strengthen your students' learning. So make sure your student is also taking their own notes along the way um, so that they don't lose any knowledge. And if you do have money, please, like extra money, I mean, please consider donating to Khan Academy because they're, I mean, I'm sure their servers are overwhelmed by the amount of people utilizing this resource right now. It is K-H-A-N Academy super amazing. I highly suggest it. Even for summer learning, that's a fantastic resource. Advice piece number two for parents. You don't have to always be the teacher. Don't be afraid to help your kid become more self-sufficient. Tell your kiddo that if they have a question, they can email their teacher. Or first, I would say tell them, ask a friend. Second, email their teacher. Um, or office staff, because at least at our school, we help redirect the questions and like, you know, they can always email us anything. So, you know, tell them that they can ask other people for help. 
Third piece of advice for parents, create a routine for your kid or your kids. Make sure they are waking up at the same time every day and going to bed at the same time every day and just make sure that they have a set schedule for learning and a set time for fun activities. It'll really help you out. And please, please try to limit your kids' screen time. It's incredibly difficult right now, but just make a point to schedule at least one hour each day of going outside, reading a book, like whatever, and try to keep them off of their tech at least an hour before bedtime because the blue light, as I said, and I think my first podcast, the blue light disrupts our um, sleep. So just please, um, all of you should be turning off your phones and devices an hour before bed. I know I don't do this all the time or nearly as much as I should, but we, none of us should be on our phones an hour before bed. Okay. Advice for students. Again, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help if you don't understand class material. If your teacher is unresponsive, consult the Google. You know how to Google. <laughs> it's an amazing resource. And again, Khan Academy. Don't get, don't like, just, just do it. <laughs> Khan Academy is amazing. Um, it'll really help supplement your learning. I promise you. Just check it out. Um, you won't regret it. It'll be great. Advice piece number two. Now is the time to become more self-sufficient. <laughs> Take charge of your own daily schedule and daily routine. It shouldn't all be on your parents because you're a middle schooler and now is there's never been a better time to learn to be a little bit more self-sufficient and, and responsible for your own life. All the power is in your hands to create a daily routine that will benefit you the most. And this can be fun. Make sure you're waking up and going to sleep around the same time each day and like find what time of day works best for you, like when your brain operates best. And try to limit the amount of time that you're on a screen. I know video games are great, but um, just like try to get some fresh air, okay? And hand in hand with this, there's never been a better time to try out some self-care techniques, my friends. There are lots of meditations on YouTube. There's Zoom dance classes. There's Zoom karate classes and Taekwondo and Qigong and everything. Basically, there's so much at our disposable, at our disposal, not disposable. <laughs> if you have a particular interest, but you've only explored it a little or have never explored it, just try it out. It's really low stakes. No one can see you do the wrong dance move if your webcam is off and you're dancing alone in your bedroom. I know that was me last weekend, right before I stubbed my toe. Um, at least make it a point to practice gratitude or mindfulness daily. I spoke about that in the last episode, but just gratitude is really important. Just take the time to, to think about the things that you're grateful for every day, even write them down. Um, and my last piece of advice for students, if you're feeling emotionally low, again, please don't be afraid to reach out for support. Um, and examples of this. I'm going to list you a ton of things and I'm going to list you a ton of phone numbers as well. So first, reach out to a close friend via text or schedule a face-to-face -face Zoom or Google Hangout or FaceTime or something with a friend. Somebody that you can trust and, and want to see and talk to. You can also reach out to a family member if you're not feeling so hot. Or reach out to another trusted adult or even the school counselor. We are still holding counseling sessions via Google Meet. So counselors are still available and working and that's free and you already know your counselor hopefully. So I highly suggest that if you're really not feeling well. There's also free online counseling resources and I'm just going to list you a few, but there's way more online. Okay. So the first one is betterhelp.com. Um, I actually don't, hmm, I think some of that is 
free and some of it is not, but some of it is free, I think. Um, there's also mentalhealth.org that has some free resources. And now I'm going to list you some phone numbers, okay? So if you are really not okay, the crisis number is 1-800-273-TALK. And there's also the Trevor Project, which is an LGBTQ hotline. Um, the hotline number is 1-866-488-7386. And the text line is 1-202-304-1200. And you just text Trevor, like the name, to that phone number, and then you have a text counselor. There's also an app called Reach Out. I've never used it, but that's free. And the youth talk line is, uh, I think this is mostly for LGBTQ as well, but the number is 1-800-246-7743. And also, if you are ever in a serious crisis, please, please, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. Please, if you are really feeling like you are going to do harm to yourself or another person, call this number. There are always people that are available to help you and you are never alone. And that really is what I want to leave you with for this podcast, all of you, is just that we are all in this together. Once again, I love you all. I might not know all of you, but I know that I love you. And never be afraid to reach out for help. All those resources I just listed are available to all of us at any time. So please don't hesitate to reach out if you're feeling really low, okay? I love you guys. Take care of yourselves. And I will see you in about a week for another brand new episode. Take care.